Now I am recording. Could you just say your name so I pronounce it correctly? My name is Jaina Colchester. Thank you very much. Uh, now Jaina, what, what would you say it was when you were growing up that influenced your choice of mathematics and subsequently computing? There were two sides to it. One was that I learnt to read quite young but never learnt to spell and also my writing was not very smart so I wasn't very good at the art subjects from that side of things um, whereas I thoroughly enjoyed sums and maths and things um, but the thing that really influenced me towards computing was that when I left school at 17 without A-levels because of dodgy teaching um, I went to Brighton Tech and my tutor there, Miss Large, uh, was mad keen on computing. This will be in 1958 mm -hmm. and I think she probably influenced me towards um, going into maths and computing. Mm. And what about your, your family background? Were your parents interested in, in scientific ideas? Uh, my mother absolutely not, apart from archaeology. She always swore that she never got beyond the five times table at school and didn't think girls ought to do it, was very disapproving. My father was in the Navy and his father before him and anything scientific to do with the Navy, yes, he was very interested in. So and was he also encouraging to you? To, to he was encouraging it? to yes. me, And did yes. you have siblings? I had two brothers. Um, they both did electrical engineering at Imperial College. There was one year when we were 0.1% of the population of Imperial College. They were both doing electrical engineering, mm -hmm. and one above and one below me, and mm. I was doing maths. Mm. Oh, sorry, we jumped ahead a little bit there. So yes. just to go back to Brighton College, uh, what sort of exposure to... Brighton Technical. Sorry, Brighton Technical College. Yes. What sort of exposure to computers did you, did you have there? Not really any, um, apart from being shown whatever the latest piece of equipment that Miss Large had managed to get hold of was. I can't believe it was anything very much, because at that stage, the sort of computer that was around was Atlas at London. Um, there was a Mercury there, I think, as well. But no way would Brighton Technical College have had something like that. No. And there weren't any PCs or anything, so I can't think what it was she took me and showed me with such glee. Mm -hmm. But uh, I suppose it might have been a, a punch tape machine or something, <laughs> I don't know. But you took A-levels there at the Technical College, didn't yes, you? Yes, I took, I first took my A-levels at the age of 17 at the convent school that I was at. Now, unfortunately, their maths teacher had been ill for the first term of sixth form that I had. Um, after a year, I went and joined in with the high school girls, public local school trust, maths. Uh, but of course, they'd done things that I hadn't and vice versa. So I got O-levels on my able that time through. So I then went to Brighton Tech and retook my A-level maths. Now, I hadn't done any physics. I may have done a little bit of general science at the age of about 13, but in those days, it's so long ago, that most maths courses you had to have physics, A-level physics for. So I tried to do A-level physics in two years at Brighton Tech, and I actually got an O-level on it. Um, but I got my A-levels in maths, two A-levels in maths, um, at the end of the first year, and they put me into the maths for external degree chemists from London University um, for my second year there. So I was doing things like um, complex numbers and stuff, which weren't in the A-level. 
and I got a state scholarship, I got the two S levels as they were called then, uh, in maths, but only an O level on the A level physics. Imperial College London, who I'd tried twice before to get into, um, didn't insist on people having um, A level physics and so I was able to go there mm. Um, mm. and they were, liked the maths that I was doing. Yes, yes. So it was all right. And, and what was your experience of maths at Imperial like? Well, it was great. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, were there many girls, young women? Now, in the whole 3,000 at Imperial, there were 120 girls, but most of them were in the Royal College of Science where maths was. We started off 50 people in our maths class. By the end of the first year, we were five girls, uh, having been 10, so five had dropped out already. But the five of us then stuck it out to the end of the three years mm. and got degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, was there any sense of, of discrimination? Uh, were you looked on as odd for being girls doing maths or did the, 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 did the, the group rub along pretty well together? Well my feeling is that if anything we were encouraged because they thought we were rather special. Um, I had to choose my options extremely carefully so I didn't do quantum theory um, at the end of my first year, in the first year exams, I got over 90 in most subjects because of having done this preliminary course, uh, except the mathematical physics, in which I think I probably got 20-something. <laughs> so I was lucky to get through to the second year. Mm. Um, I also did an awful lot of sailing, but at the start of the third year, I hurt my back lifting a boat. So I didn't do any sailing in the third year. Um, I missed all the ice yachting on the Welsh... Harp Reservoir that was going on in 1962, 63. Oh yes, yes. yes. Um, but uh, it meant that I concentrated and I got my two one. So having been heading for a third, I was okay. <laughs> um, and I chose things like probability statistics, um, certainly numerical analysis, and um, actually hydrostatics and hydrodynamics were fine because they only needed differential equations, which I was quite happy with, as opposed to some of the other mathematical physics subjects, which relied on A-level physics, which mm -hmm. I simply hadn't been able to get my head round. Mm -hmm. So that, that was how it went. Mm. So how did you decide what you were going to do next? Um, I think, I can't think why I tried Oxford except that I was pretty sure I wouldn't get into Cambridge. Somebody but, but you, were, you were determined, you were convinced that doing a higher degree was what you wanted to do? Well, I tried. I did also apply to various firms. And there was one firm of computer makers, and a friend of mine who was getting a third because she continued with her other activities, um, but had done a short vacation job, was offered the same salary as me. Um, when I was getting a 2-1, and I thought that was a bit <laughs> unfair. I did try for National Physical Laboratory, um, and the day that I got the letter saying, don't even bother to try from them, um, my hydrodynamics tutor said to me, if you want to go there, tell me, because I will give you a good reference. And I said, well, I'm sorry, they've just turned me down. <laughs> um, but why... I, somebody must have suggested that the Oxford, um, Professor Fox was a good person to work for. Mm, 
but, and it was computing. You you had computing in your sights as something you wanted to do. It was computing do. I wanted to do. Yes, yes very yes. much. Yes. Uh, and so, what uh, during your time at Imperial had you had access to computers and? Only in the sense that yes, we wrote programs when we were doing our later numerical analysis type course, but we didn't actually touch the computers. We wrote them out on forms, and um, somebody else coded them up onto punch cards and put them into, I think, the Mercury computer there. Um, the computer at Oxford was a Mercury computer, again, but this time it used five-hole paper tape. Um, but yes, I was dead keen to um, keep going with computing. That was the line. Was it, was it the, the intellectual challenge of it you liked, or, or was it the applications? What, what, can you remember what it was that made you think computing was so exciting? Um, well, I thought it was a good career. Um, I've always enjoyed things like puzzles and stuff like that, so programming suited me down to the ground. Um, and I didn't have to write posh English, which my bad spelling was a handicap on. Um, I had tried when my maths teacher didn't turn up in the sixth form at school to do some A-level history, which was the other subject I'd done when I left O-level, and was absolutely useless at writing A-level type essays. So I to keep clear of anything mm. that mm. needed something like that mm. but um, yes I think I just thought that this was where life was and um, and it was a fun thing to do mm. Uh, mm. fun and productive so were you interviewed at Oxford for your yes place? Professor Fox interviewed me yes what do you remember about that <laughs> chiefly that he said that um, I was um, he thought it would be a good idea if I went to Lineker house as it was then of which he was a fellow, um, and when I filled in the form and handed it back to him, with him as my reference, um, he said, we'd better cross out that extra F in professor, and I've known <laughs> how to spell <laughs> professor ever since. <laughs> but that was the main thing I remember about it. Um, and um, I was there for three years. Mm, mm. And, and your supervisor was David Hanscom? Yes. Yes, yes. And, and what was the, I probably won't understand, but I'll get you to explain, uh, what, what was the subject of your thesis topic? It was Monte Carlo methods in numerical analysis mm -hmm. applied to um, elliptic differential equations. Right. Now the idea was that you generated random numbers which were, um, the average of them um, followed a certain sort of equation which was actually an integral equation um, and depending on whether it, uh, this integral equation related to a hyperbolic or a parabolic or an elliptic differential equation because you can convert the one into the other mm -hmm. um, you got a different thing and people had written up hyperbolic and parabolic um, equations but as far as we knew, nobody had done elliptic differential equations, so he suggested that I should do that. Mm -hmm. And I had a battle with it, but I had a go. Mm. And was this a branch of maths that you could do without computers, or did had the, the availability of computers opened it up? Oh, it was absolutely essential to have computers. It was, yes. yes. The Monte Carlo methods um, were using computers to generate random numbers. To oh, I see, yes. yes so that's, to simulate yes. what was needed. Yeah. Um, and the... Um, by using the right methods of generating your random numbers, you could get them so that they obeyed 
a certain sort of particularly integral equation is what I'm thinking of. Mm. It's rather a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Monte Carlo methods had been developed at the end of World War II and were used in the development of the atom bomb, I believe. Um, but there were sort of two ways of using them. One was to simply simulate what was going on so that if you knew that things were happening in a random way, you would generate random numbers to do in the same random way. But this was a rather more mathematical thing of generating them simply to produce something which obeyed a particular sort of equation. And unfortunately, by the time I'd done my three years, A, some computers had gone on. Basically, you tended to need a lot of computer time, but not very much computer power to do it. So when computers got more powerful, um, people developed other methods of solving equations. Um, I may say that since then, every now and then, you hear of people using Monte Carlo methods to solve this, that and the other. Mm. So they're still floating around in the background, mm. but they were already um, going out of fashion by the time I left Oxford. My uh, supervisor was doing something totally different by then, so he had to rethink when I went to see him. Um, and um, the other thing that was a slight handicap was that we moved from South Parks Road, where we had the Mercury computer with valves and five-hole paper tape, to the new computing lab in Parks Road. And we got a KDF-9, which I wasn't allowed near. <laughs> <laughs> I did do the data prep, but I had to hand it in to people. And um, so one had to sort of rethink the way one was doing things. But also, they had a diploma course, um, which was a one-year course, and the students for that were given precedence for using the computer, for computer time. So I very often had to wait before my programs could be put on the computer, which also held me back a bit. Mm. And I used to get a bit cheesed off and go off sailing. <laughs> so that also <laughs> didn't help. So when you were working with the mercury, were you doing your own um, key punching and, and yes. feeding, it, feeding it in? Yes. Um, right. The mercury, um, well, in both of them, I was doing all my um, paper tape work. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember putting the paper tape into the mercury and no screens, switches and lights. Uh, but on the other hand, there was a, a, at least one technician there in case the valves went pop. Mm. in the um, computer which was in the garage next door. Yes. Um, it's a great big computer yeah. with yeah. very little power, I think. Mm. <laughs> but, um, and the KDF-9, um, the one thing that the KDF-9 had that was old-fashioned was it still had a drum for its storage. Um, and when we went over to Cullum Laboratory for seminars, they had a KDF-9 with discs and we were terribly impressed by their discs and were quite sure they were the way that um, storage was going to go so that um, but it was still it, it was still a drum. Mm, mm. So there are actually various things have come up there but uh, first of all I'm going to again ask you about um, the, the number of women who there were around in the lab at the time doing uh, any kind of job. Um, well there were women at 
trying to remember Parks Road. I, I think that there were certainly secretaries. There were computer operators. Like I'm sure there was at least one woman who was operating the computer and putting my paper tape into it. Mm. Um, when I went to um, the computing lab, I'm in my intake, I think there were three young men and me. Um, and the year above was men. To be honest, I was so used to being in a environment surrounded by men that I didn't necessarily notice a lack of women. Mm, mm. Um, when we moved to Park Road, the diploma had a lot more women in it. Um, and I think there may have been other young women that came along behind me. A long time ago, I can't yes. be quite sure. Yes. But certainly it was still, obviously, a higher proportion of men to women. Mm. Did you overlap with Linda Hayes? Sorry, do I mean Linda Hayes? Julia Dane. Sorry, I mean Julia Dane. Don't no, she was programming so. research group. I do mean Linda Hayes. So she may have, you may have gone by the time she came. I've forgotten exactly I think exactly I might have, yes. Came. Doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Mm. No, she was, a, she was a research assistant to Leslie Fox. Oh, right. to do his programs. No, she wasn't American, was she? No. No, there was an American girl who did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. Yes, she joined about halfway through my time there. Mm. Um, I did go down to seminars at the Maths Institute quite a bit, mm -hmm. where I would meet with Gabrielle, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, this is Gabrielle's story. Yes, Gabrielle. For the benefit of the tape. <laughs> yes. I'm just trying to think what her maiden name was. I've got it written down somewhere, but I can't remember. Yes, I ought yeah. to know that better. Mm. Um, and she and I also met um, down at the Catholic Society, because we were both Catholics, mm -hmm. and we used to meet at church sometimes. Um, and she, when I was w at the South Parks Road um, laboratory, she was that first year living in Charwell Edge, which is now Lineker College. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so sh her digs were quite close to where I was working, so we could meet up after um, after work if mm. we wanted to. Mm. Um, I used to bicycle down to Lineker for the evening meal sometimes and so on. Now Lineker was Lineker House then. It was, um, I think in its statutes, it had to have a certain quite high proportion of um, overseas students, quite a lot of Americans, and it certainly had, it was a mixed house, and it had quite a high proportion of women to men. It might have been one third women, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Mm. My moral tutor in the first year was Dorothy Hodgkin. Really? Yes. I didn't and I hadn't realised she was quite as posh as she was. <laughs> um, but at the end of the first year, it became Lineker College. Yes and people who wanted to stay with their original colleges, they couldn't do both. Mm. And she went back to her original college. Somerville, yes. Yes. Mm. Um, and so I got a bloke whose name I can't remember. He's a very mm. nice man. Mm. But, um, but so did you see much of Dorothy Hodgkin? Well, she had me to dinner once, mm -hmm. and I think I probably saw her about one other time. Mm. Mm. Um, but she seemed very nice. Mm. Um, and Because obviously she was using computing in her lab as well. I don't know whether she... Yeah, talk to you about that. I Although she didn't do it directly herself. Yes, she had she other people using the computing yeah. for her. Yes. Mm. Um, I don't really remember. Um, I have a feeling that when I went to dinner with her, 
we talked about everything else except, <laughs> but I might be wrong. Mm, mm. Um, but uh, yes, it wasn't till some time later that I realised that I'd had somebody quite so exciting to, as my moral tutor. Well, she got her Nobel Prize in 1964. Yes, after I... No, it must have been just after she'd stopped being my moral tutor, I right. think. Yes. Either that or I just didn't click. Yes, I, I mean, I think when I first met her, I, mm. you know, I just thought she was a very nice person. Yes, yes. Yes. yes, yes. Yes. And um, I, when I was having difficulties with my thesis, I tended to go off sailing or rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, more hill walking. I wasn't mm. very good at rock climbing. Mm. Um, and so, and I also did a lot of partying. So by the time I got to the end of my three years, I um, hadn't finished my thesis. I don't think anybody expected me to, actually. Well, how were you, how were you funded? I forgot to ask that for your thesis. Well, I had whatever the standard funding was. Um, there was a, a state thing that one got. Mm. Um, it was means tested. So it was probably the Department of Scientific and Industrial Research, as it were, or it might even be in the SRC by that time. Now, would DSIR mean anything? That's, that's it, that's the Department of Scientific and Industrial Research. Yes, yes. they dished out grants for that kind of that thing. They had a so grant, yes. yes. It was um, means tested and didn't, not on my parents' means, but on mine. And my father had given me the house that I lived in when I was five for my 21st birthday, which he was letting out, and I let out and it brought in a remarkably small rent, but that came straight off my grant. Um, because having done two years after leaving school, I didn't get to university till I was 19. Mm -hmm. So I must have been well over 21 by the time I got to Oxford. So I would have been getting that, and that's why. Um, so my total income was the same as the, the same. Yes, grant, yes, but yes. it was, um, um, some of it was me, mm. partly funded by me. <laughs> Um, and I had a little car, um, which was very useful for going off to sailing matches and so on. I did get my half blue sailing for the Oxford University women's team. And the first time I did, we won. Wonderful. So that was very <laughs> good. Um, but in later years, Cambridge suddenly said, no, they didn't want anybody sailing who was beyond their... Um, four years from original matriculation, so I wasn't allowed to sail though I, in the Oxford-Cambridge race, so mm. I was able to match because it was a lot of races. Um, I was um, sailing for Oxford right up until I left, really. Mm, mm. What kind of boat? I sailed, just so I'm oh, right. Fireflies and alphas. Right, yes. Oh, and we hadn't moved on to the reservoir then, so it was on the river at um, Port Meadow. Oh, right, that's where I sailed. Oh, right, yes. yes. And very nice, too. <laughs> Lovely. But a bit chilly in the winter. Yes. Oh, it would be. Mm. Yes. And we um, used to sail from the perch to the trout for a drink. <laughs> um, and I can remember sailing back and seeing the icicles forming on the banks of the <laughs> river um, as we came out. But mm. the um, ramp that one hauled the boats up um, was quite steep, so one could get the boat out without getting too wet. Mm, mm. Um, and um, I sailed there. I also sailed in some um, 
big firefly annual jamborees. Mm. Um, I sailed, actually it was when I was at London that I sailed up off um, Goldstone, but when I was at Oxford we sailed off um, um, Weybridge, what, mm. what, what's it, um, Bournemouth, what, what, what's the... Pool Harbour? No, no, Bournemouth itself I think. Yes. Um, mm. Where they had the um, some of the Olympics, Olympics. Yes, 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 there. Mm. Um, and I can remember the wind getting up, and us all having to sail back to the beach with the <laughs> waves coming behind us, which was quite <laughs> exciting. Um, so I did quite a lot of sailing. Mm, mm. Um, when I moved up to Dundee, we didn't sail through the winter; we went skiing instead. <laughs> so it was, uh, but that was afterwards. So you got to the end of your three years, yes. but you hadn't quite finished your thesis, yes. so what did you do then? I applied for a job at the University of Dundee, which was actually the University of St Andrews in Dundee. We changed to being independent uh, about a year later, mm -hmm. and um, I got the job, and I was teaching maths rather than computing. Um, did they have a computing department? Oh yes, they did. Yes, they did. Mm. And I did actually go and have a look at their machine. And when I got there, they had a um, a Stantec Zebra, which still had a drum rather than discs, and you had to try and put the data onto the drum at the right speed, so that it had just rotated and was ready for the next one when you got there. And there was a um, an arrow that showed you um, how efficient you were being. And most of us had a 10% efficiency <laughs> rather than a 90% efficiency. You had to be really good to do it. But I didn't use that very much. And then they got something else. But I didn't use it for my thesis that I remember. Um, I did go down and spend my first long vac in Oxford. And I stayed in a flat over Alice's shop, which belonged to Lineker. And I worked like mad, and it was at the end of that time that I, somebody said, have you checked references in French? And it was at this point that I discovered that Professor, well, he wasn't Professor then, but Jean-Pierre Laurent had done my subject, and he'd done it to extinction. It had taken it all the way. And we exchanged letters, and he very kindly sent me his work and there really wasn't anything else I could do. Mm. I mean, I wrote to him in English and he wrote to me in French. My French was just about up to that. I couldn't write in French. And his English was obviously the same, vice versa. So an exchange of letters, and uh, that was rather put pay to it. How did you feel? That must have been a terrible blow. Yes, it was. I, I didn't quite know what to do, particularly as Dundee had a rule that they only took lecturers on to the full lecture scale, I was on the assistant lecturer scale, who'd got a PhD mm. or DPhil. Mm. Um, well, and this really meant that you, you were just unable to submit and unable to... Yes. Yeah. I think I was told that I might be able to submit it for a BSc. But as I had a BSc already, I didn't think that that was actually going to be very helpful. I think now that probably I should have done. Mm. But basically I could have done it as a uh, an appreciation of what he'd done, but not as my own work. 
or with my Despite own. the fact that you had done it completely independently and yes. in ignorance of what he'd done. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but that was it. So the following January I got engaged. Um, Andrew was working down here for Marconi. So I applied to Essex University where my professor of statistics from Imperial College, Professor Barnard, was working. And I think on the principle of better the devil you know than the devil you don't, they took me on as a lecturer and I was working there. We got married in September 1968 and I started work about a fortnight after we got married. Mm -hmm. And I taught all sorts of things. Um, I think I, they tended to use me to teach non-mathematicians, <laughs> but I certainly used their computers. So were, were you able to do some research of your own at the same time, or were you mostly occupied with teaching? I rather gave up on the research, um, and after six months I got pregnant. So 15 months after I got married, I had my first child. So I worked full-time at Essex from October 68 to November 69. I then took maternity leave went back part-time and had another baby. At that point I gave up. Um, I decided I had about a year when I didn't do anything um, but didn't like it and went back half-time um, for two years and during that, at the end of that second year, I had my third child. <laughs> so it must have been from 72 to 74, because mm, mm. I had her in July 74. So the university was quite flexible. In they were me. very flexible to yes, me, yes. yes. So, well, I had to do what they wanted in the sense that um, the actual proportion that I did was about a half, but I think one year it was... Um, just under a half and the next year it was just over a half I can't remember but it wasn't quite you know but they chose that mm. um, again I was teaching um, maths to the sociologists and things like that as well as to the mathematicians um, but also I remember teaching one postgraduate unit um, and was certainly using computers for that mm -hmm. um, so when I had my third child, I was given the chance to apply for a full-time job, but I thought with three children I wouldn't be able to cope with it. In fact, the third one was so much easier than the other two, <laughs> I think by that time I got the hang of it, that I was, I could probably have coped with full-time if I'd known, as long as I didn't do research. Mm, mm. Um, but in fact, so when she was six months old, I applied for a part-time job teaching computing, um, assembly language programming at Marconi's, at the Marconi College. Oh, I see. And I was teaching, um, I mean, part of this was because, part of the reason I went back was that um, when I'd been not working for a year and was finding it quite tough going in that I wasn't terribly good at looking after two children. I can remember standing at the window watching the younger one on a rocking horse on the c concrete and suddenly realising that that wasn't a bright idea and rushing <laughs> out. Um, but I had a friend who was a retired nanny and she was taking children 
baby minding. Mm, mm. And she said as long as she could have Fridays off, when she could help her husband with his accounts at his garage, um, she would take children. So that was I was able to go back to work because I'd found a really good baby minder. Mm. And so she took Pippa from about six months. Um, and again, but I was working, um, I think it was 19 or 20 hours a week at Marconi. It was round about the half time. Um, and I taught assembly language programming. I was using a... Was this two apprentices? Mostly, um, no, it was um, people sort of on a level with my husband, mm. um, proper scientists working for them, mm. but also a lot of customers. I can remember teaching two Libyans, even though we were at odds with Libya at the time, and they spoke very little English, and I had a great big dictionary. However, we did discover that the small amount of Maltese that I could speak, because my grandfather was Maltese, was not unlike the sort of Arabic <laughs> that they... <laughs> so there were some words, particularly numbers and things mm, like that, mm. which we could link up over. Mm, mm. Um, but I also taught Saudi Arabians and Yugoslavians when it was Yugoslavia. And when I taught the Yugoslavians, they had um, a, the, they had left the person who spoke the best English behind in case he defected. So they had the two people that spoke the next best English sitting in the front row. And I would lecture for a sentence or two, and then they'd put up their hand, and I'd stop, and they'd say it. They'd have a little discussion, and then they'd translate it for the people. And we had a cigarette break, that I don't smoke, <laughs> every 50 minutes, because <laughs> this was quite a strain for them. Yes. But that was the sort of thing that I was doing. Mm, mm. And I used to go down to the... So when you, sorry, when you say assembly language, what particular languages were you... Um, Desicode 1 it was called, right? Mm. and the machine was, I'll just look it up, Locus 16, mm -hmm. um, the, using Data Code 1, 8-hole paper tape, still no screen on the machine, it was like switches and lights. Um, we didn't have a computer up at Marconi College, which was one end of Chelmsford, but they did have one down in the um, main part of Marconi in the middle of Chelmsford. However, because my, although my father-in-law was quite senior there, my husband was working there, my brother-in-law was working there, it being the main employer around here, um, because my grandfather was Maltese, it took them over six months to clear me for admittance to the computer. Good heavens. I had to be signed in by somebody senior each time I took my students down there to actually use the computer. But I was actually using the computer and I used to have to um, set the thing up using switches and lights. There was a glitch in it somewhere and I used to have to correct the contents of one cell in the computer. Then I could load up the, uh, take in the uh, paper hole tape that had the loader on it, which it would churr away. Um, and then we could load our programs in once the loader was in the computer. And, and that was the um, Locus 16. In the assembly language, there was um, a code for multiplication, but division, you had to build yourself by doing multiple subtractions. Um, so it was that sort of level of... Mm, um, mm. Very cumbersome. And I did that 
about half time for four four and a half four four years mm. and, and were, then I, were there any other women working at Marconi who weren't doing clerical jobs um, yes the um, there were a few um, clerical jobs obviously at the college um, I was joined by another woman who was slightly better than me I think um, about halfway through my time there and I have a feeling that she'd worked them before mm -hmm. I'm not sure um, and there were in our little computing bit there were three or four men um, but the rest of the college was almost all the lecturing staff were nearly all men yes yes um, and um, again I'm not sure that I um, really noticed the lack of women too much because I was so used to it. Mm. Do, you, do you happen to know whether you were paid the same as the men? Um, not, not just because you were female but because you were a married woman because I, I know in some areas of life yes. they would assume that if you were married you only needed pin money and so you wouldn't get the same salary yes. as men. I started off okay mm. because they based it on my salary at Essex which was level with the men. That was okay. Um, the Labour government, I think it was, put a wage freeze on and Marconi used it as an excuse to freeze our wages. So for the four years that I were there, my salary did not increase and people coming into Marconi were paid higher salaries. Um, there was quite a lot of fuss. I can remember one of the men saying if our boss in the college had been in on the day he found out that some newcomer was earning much more than him, he would have gone and he'd probably been out on his ear because he'd have been so rude to him. <laughs> By the time the boss got back on the Monday, his wife had calmed him down and he negotiated a higher salary. So I wasn't very chuffed with that side of it. And that may have been partly why, um, after the four years, um, when I got a chance to go back to Essex University half-time, I went. Mm. So I went and back. is that because they approached you or did you just notice there was a vacancy? I think I must have been approached because either that or I approached them. Mm. I certainly wasn't told, you know, I didn't notice that there was a vacancy, mm. but I may have phoned them up and said, any jobs going? Um, so had you kept in touch with some of the yes, people? Yes, I was in touch, yes. yes. I mean, in particular, um, Professor Dowden's wife, Susan, was bringing her children over to play with mine <laughs> on my days off, you know. <laughs> so. Um, I was in certainly in touch with the university mm. and um, once again I was doing this rather funny mix of doing um, high, you know, top level um, maths with computing E type stuff for com maths department I think, you know, I think that's probably when I was teaching the post degree people, mm. just, just, just a short course um, and the um, maths and sociologists <laughs> Um, and anything in between. Mm, mm. Um, but I wasn't teaching programming apart from that one seniors course. Mostly I think I must have been teaching things like differential equations yes. and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and the truth is that particularly later on teaching maths is so much easier than teaching computing because it doesn't change every five minutes. Mm, mm. Um, so I did that. I did that for a year and then the next year they were cutting back and they only offered me very short hours. Now it just happened. So I tr answered an advertisement 
to be trained for a year to become a school teacher. Now, unfortunately, they said that I was too qualified to go on the training course and I must go into school teaching right away. And I lasted all of about four weeks <laughs> because I really couldn't control a class. So I reduced that to um, three half days a week. I went and worked as a computer operator for a printing firm uh, for some more half days a week. And I did two evening classes, one at um, the Colchester Institute in Colchester Technical College and what I think was probably called Mid-Essex Tech because it's kept changing its name in Chelmsford um, and I did that for a year and then I got a full-time job at the Colchester Institute um, and I was teaching A-level computing there were some NTIs which became YTS students they were sort of post O-level if you could call it that um, but also some slightly more advanced stuff mm. but I did that for a year but that, that year my husband got sent by Marconi's up to Leicester so at the end of the year I left them and I was lucky enough to get a job at Coventry Poly which was by far the nicest place I've ever worked I absolutely why, why was that what, what made, it, made it so congenial well I think they um, were um, perhaps more helpful to each other. Um, I certainly there the staff were or the students or everybody staff <laughs> the staff, staff yes. yes. But the um, the uh, there were several women in with me. There was a very nice woman called Helena, um, and another one whose name escapes me. But there were at least four women in the computing. Now this was computing. Yes computing department. But, and all academic staff, lecturing staff. Yes. yes. We were teaching OND, HND um, degree. Um, I was doing data processing and some programming. We used punched cards for the first time in my life. Um, but I can't remember what the computer was. And I was there for two years. And then my husband got sent back to Chelmsford. <laughs> now, Helena's husband had also moved and she and I were discussing this as to whether we should try and make our husbands come home at weekends and stay on because we both liked Coventry Poly. Um, one of the other women come in saying, I'm getting a divorce. And we thought, whoops, perhaps we'd better not. <laughs> <laughs> so we both left and she went off and did very well elsewhere could have been at Wilverhampton though I'm not sure. Mm. I only managed to get a job at the, what had been the Mid-Essex Tech so I was back um, teaching the slightly lower level stuff but also some uh, degree level stuff as well and it became the Chelmer Institute and then the um, Anglia Polytechnic University and it's now Anglia Ruskin University so it's gone oh, so up in the, the world. Of Anglia Ruskin. Yes, yes. yes, well it was half of it mm. because they amalgamated with the um, uh, Cambridge Technical College, whatever mm -hmm. that was called um, and that's where the Ruskin bit comes in because right. Ruskin went to art school there um, and so for the towards the end of my time um, we were part in 
Chelmsford of part in Cambridge, but we only went up to Cambridge for departmental meetings, mm -hmm. you know. And I was teaching um, data processing, all sorts of stuff, programming. So we're in the 80s now, are we? Um, are we 80s into 90s, 80s into yes. 90s, so we're, we're yes. at, we've, we've got PCs. We're, we're oh now, yes, yes, very much yes. so, yes. <laughs> yes, at one point when I was back at Essex University, was it? At some point I was one of a team that compared a whole lot of little personal computers which were um, things like, um, well they were before the um, BBC computer came mm. in, they were the stage before that. Well there was the Sinclair, what yes, was it called? Yes, I think the Sinclair had just yes. come in, yes. X something wasn't it? I thought, what yes, it, yeah. um, it was only just a holiday thing, that mm. holiday job. Um, but yes, and when I was at um, when I was teaching at the Colchester Institute, which would have been, I think it was 1981, hang on, we had a um, computer which um, I think it had um, tape, not, you know, I mean, not paper tape, but we yes. had screens magnetic and keyboards, tape. Yes, magnetic yes. tape, yes. yes. But n not the great big magnetic tapes, but the little ones that you put in your... Oh, I see, like um, cassettes. Like the cassettes, yes, yes that's yes. the word I'm looking yes. for, yes. Um, Yes, so autumn 82 I was full-time at the Colchester Institute, so that was teaching A-level computing, mm. etc. Mm. Um, that w that was had been there. Um, so, um, yes, at, um, we had lots of, yes, we had PCs mostly mm -hmm. at um, the Cholmer, Essex, <laughs> Anglia <laughs> place. And I was there from... Um, autumn 85 until autumn 99. Um, I took slightly early retirement because I was pretty lame with Achilles problems and I no longer needed to pay for any children's education or anything like that. Um, uh, but I, and they worked me hard at Anglia um, because I not only did my work for the computing department, but I also taught maths to the third year engineering degree students, mm -hmm. um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's nice to do a little bit of maths. Mm -hmm. um, but of course what happened was that when I retired from Anglia, I lasted all of a fortnight and then I phoned up Essex University. I couldn't go back to Anglia or I'd have forfeited my retirement payoff, early retirement payoff. But because Essex University was on a totally different scheme, I phoned Essex University and said, you don't by any chance need a part-timer, do you? And they said, yes, our professor's gone down with pneumonia. Um, and they remembered me 20 years on. <laughs> and they took me on and I worked quite a lot part-time. Gradually decreased over the years. Um, so I worked part-time in maths at Essex University again. Um, until 2008, though there was one year in the middle when I didn't. There was one year when they didn't need me. Mm. Um, and by the final year, I was only doing about one course right the way through. Mm. And this is computing? Maths. Oh, this was maths. This was, this was maths. maths, yes. So you weren't having to keep up with all the advances in exactly. computing and relearn everything. Yeah. I yeah. Was, was given slightly different courses some years. 
and I was able to go back and look at my notes that I'd had as a student <laughs> and was able to crib bits from them. Now that's going right back to 1961, you mm. know, um, in 2001, and the maths was still the same. Uh, obviously there were things which had changed, but teaching maths was very suitable for somebody who'd just retired, you know, it was, it was a doddle. Um, instead of having, I mean, I taught the sort of computing which I had to rewrite every year at um, Anglia. Mm -hmm. And 